I'm Will Hedrick. And I'm Jordan Schaffer. And this is Dog Ears and Timestamps, a book club podcast. We're reading it all day. That's all I got. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Today, we're finishing Beacon 23. Thank goodness. Yeah, I'm all about being done with it. It's a, dude, honestly, um, I enjoyed the book, but it was, every time we stopped it, it was kind of hard to get back into it. For whatever reason, like, just everything else seemed to grab my attention. It was like, all right, we're done with this segment yeah. of Beacon 23. Let's listen to some podcasts or whatever. It was easy know, to not really, to just not be invested in it because everything is short form. You know, every <laughs> chapter is very short and pretty self-contained. And then obviously it's in five different books that are relatively self-contained. Yeah. There is a main thread, of course, but you could take any one of these books and just read it and get a complete mini story. Yeah, no, I did notice so that So it's actually. easy to not be invested in like the, the whole thing. So yeah. I, I can definitely agree that, yeah, it was easy to just, it was easy to fall out of it and not be super ready to get back in immediately. And I'd be like, I have to read what's next. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But, uh, you, know, you know, it was fun. Uh, how you? Uh, how did you read this week? Did you read it immediately after the show, like last time? Or did you... Uh... I put it off until last night, actually. Okay, nice. Uh, Cramming for the test. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't really know why. I guess I was just let myself get caught up in a bunch of other stuff. And then last like night I was like, well, shit, I'm going to... I guess I'll just fucking hashtag no sleep club and just <laughs> read this right quick. It took me about two hours, two and a quarter hours. It was fine. I went to bed like at four or something like that. Yeah. You're kind of a night owl anyway, so that probably didn't hurt too yeah, bad, but that four is later than normal. It, it's later than my typical time that I'll go to sleep for sure. Yeah. Um, it's, I mean, without trying, I can stay up until five, six o'clock. Oh, It's wow. not a problem with, you know, without trying. I usually have to, at two o'clock, be like, all right, it's time to go lay down and work on falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. I, so I, yeah, it, it was up until like four and then I had to work this morning, so whatever. But yeah, it's a... Uh, I didn't read it until last night, and then obviously I did, I did my notes at work today because we were slow enough that I could get away with it. So nice, yeah. I mean, that's going back to the same thing we said. It can, I guess, it got you too. It wasn't super like with fucking Neverwhere. We, I just like next thing I was like, I gotta know. Yeah, and, uh, and then I think another reason why Neverwhere, and and probably also just with a longer form novel sort of thing exactly, as well, is yeah, that you, you get time to develop and care about the characters where I didn't care. about about it. I, th- I think maybe I started caring for Claire a little bit just because I'm. it's easy for me to fall in love with characters. Yeah. And so, and Claire was already made into like this like ideal person or whatever. For sure, so I was yeah. like, okay, well, I, I guess I by default care about Claire. I'm going to be, I'm interested to see what happens with her. Mm-hmm. But I didn't really care about the protagonist. He was, not that he was a bad character, but he just wasn't a character. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was just the vessel for the story, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so how, did you so when you were reading do you read in bed dude if i read in bed i would not get through like fucking two pages <laughs> i do a lot you do okay. yeah but not every time but definitely the majority of the time you got the kindle white so you don't need a light or anything the the, the yeah the paper white yeah uh, just a yeah i don't need anything that's cool yeah it. that's uh that's cool that's why i chose it it's super handy you can read it in literally any lighting situation except mm-hmm. like maybe under like a surgery table light you know yeah like you, pretty much any situation it works well and you can see it you can be outside in the sun uh, you know sitting on a bench and reading without any issue nice so that, that's why i bought it years and years ago and it's still still running. It's, yeah it's still really good it's Perfect. And if it ever gives out, that'll be the same kind of Kindle that I buy again. Well, cool. Uh, what about your week? I mean, you read last night, so what did you do the rest of the week? Anything uh, what happened? did I do? Nothing exciting, I don't think. I hit level 120 and wow with my new yeah, character, you did. finally. I didn't even know it went to 120. They just, That's what the new expansion that just came out. I thought they bumped it up 10 levels every time. This one, they're just like... They usually do. There this... was twice that they only bumped it 5 levels. Damn, I bet 100 to 120 is hard. It's not. Oh, (laughs) never mind. (laughs) It it seems to change every expansion because as they change how things work, Mm -hmm. uh, that has unforeseen effects on other parts of the game. Oh, I And now that it's such a huge, expansive game, it's it's hard to know every single little thing. So right now, the hardest part to level, if you have a new character uh, for anybody out there that's interested, right now, the commonly agreed upon most difficult part to level is uh, 80 to 90. Everything else is relatively God, easy. 80 to 90. Dude, WoW came out in, in like... 16 04. years ago. No, no. It hasn't been 16 years ago. Oh, yeah. I mean... Yeah, dude. I swear, back in 8th grade, 
Yeah, it's 04, 05. I think, I think it came out then because Mason and Chase were always talking 2004. about it. 2004. Yeah, there we go. See, I got it. But so dude, 14 years. Well, almost. Let's see. This would have been. In, yeah, almost 15 years. Nice, dude. It'll be 15 years this coming year. There have got to be people that are making money off of just their knowledge of World of Warcraft. That's kind of a cool facet of the world we live in. You know, people just yeah. making money off of knowing the thing game with these sort of like, so much. Yeah, yeah, these things that have existed for so long and that have so much, like a huge fan base and a large community and that sort of stuff. There's definitely probably any position that you can think of having, it exists out there. And there's definitely people that get paid just because mm-hmm. they know so much about it because they write the wikis or whatever, you yeah. know. I went and saw the movie. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I mean, I, I was I was ready to see. It was kind fine. Of a, it was a yeah, fine I was ready movie. to see kind of a silly movie with some fun magic and big monsters and stuff. And then yeah. I got that's what I got. That's so, what you got. Yeah. Good to go. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, yeah, that's I think that's all that I did. Nice. Red Sox won the World Series. Whoa. Uh. Wow. That was the only other big thing that happened. I guess. That's cool. it was what was expected yeah the dodgers wouldn't were never going to be nobody from the national league was ever going to beat the people that were in the american league playoffs oh okay Um, were the best or what whether well just the the teams this year were super strong whether it had been houston the yankees or the red sox uh, which obviously ended up being the red sox any of those three teams would have beaten anybody on the national league side easily nice i think the only ones that might have been mildly scary might have been the brewers just because they were kind of a wild card dude is baseball in the olympics probably because we win not anymore (laughs) dang i think i don't think it is anymore just because of uh time uh reasons it would take too long to have like a tournament. Oh yeah, okay, that makes like sense. A, or or like the the tournament would be only like such a little number of teams that why even bother? Right, that makes sense. And then it's also you got to play like seven games or whatever, like to determine a winner. They would, probably, they would probably knock it down to like three or five game series. I mean, you know, what do I know about organizing sports? tournaments but what i would assume is they would knock it down to a smaller series but yeah i think that it used to be and they stopped doing it because one there's really only like three countries that play it majorly and then japan right japan the united states and then i I say three countries but then a lot of south america and central america plays baseballs mostly central america plays baseball uh, but combined they probably make up the same population of baseball players that like the united states does cool um Anyways, what was your week like? <laughs> oh, it was, uh, was kind of crazy, man. Um, so, uh, somehow, the dog got out. Like, um, Bailey was coming uh, come back to the house, and uh, she went through one door. And, and so, like, we kind of have, like, a double door situation going on. Like, when you come in through the garage, you open mm-hmm. up one door, and then you're in the laundry room, and you got to open another door to get to the kitchen. Well, I had the pantry door open in the kitchen, so there was a third door in the way. <laughs> and so, she... Closed the pantry door so that she could open the second door, and then she closed the first door, and and then in that amount of time, she didn't see um, her dog Maddie anymore. This thirteen year old dog, this mm-hmm. like little bitty, and so she, you know, she came in and said, "Hey, we talked for a little bit, and then we were looking for all the dogs because you know we potted all, you know, all the dogs got to go potty." So, and then we're just like, "Wait, we're missing one." Oh shit, where's Maddie? And so we like, so we ran around the house. We were calling everywhere, you know, just like what anybody would do when they're looking for their dog. Couldn't find her. So then we went outside. We looked all through the garage, thinking maybe she just ran off in the garage somewhere. She's scared of one of the other dogs, so it makes sense that she might not want to be around. Mm-hmm. But, uh, dude, it was crazy. So Bailey's mom comes, a few of uh, her friends come, and uh, we're searching the neighborhood. We're meeting all the neighbors. Uh, they're all really nice, actually, by the way. Posting <laughs> online, you know. Um, yeah, so, like, the day goes by. Uh, no luck, you know. We're just hoping that she's going to come home. And then uh, the next day, it rolls around. i got to go to work. Uh, come back from work. We keep looking for the dog. It's daytime, so we think, you know, she'll probably come out because, you know, it'll be hot. She won't be cold from the night. She might come home. We called a pet detective. They told us a bunch of tips and tricks and stuff. And uh, it just, you know, the dogs know they're sent, you know, mm-hmm. three weeks away. Anyway, long story short, Maddie was playing hide-and-go-seek inside the house underneath uh, the cabinet with the silverware, apparently where... So we have all these spices underneath the silverware cabinet. Mm-hmm. She was hiding behind all the spices. First of all, I don't even know how she opened the cabinet. 
And then why she hid behind the spices for 27 straight hours without making a single sound is beyond me. <laughs> right. But that was fucking crazy, man. So thank God we found her. But, dude, that was a stressful little bit of time. It was like, dude, we just thought, you know, she's 13. We thought she died. I mean, probably not a snake, but something got her. I mean, she's Right, yeah, if she was dog. out there. And it's where you're at up there in Pflugerville. You're not far from fields. Right, so dude, yeah. So there's we're... definitely, like, other wildlife out there dude yeah and we got other neighbors with big dogs that like might not take kindly to another dog coming sure, in you know? yeah. so we were just <laughs> right. like we're going around everywhere you know and just man it's just you like, got neighbors in your back left corner that have a dog and it will bark at your dog oh and yeah then your dogs Ours go, go over there and shit. start barking at it. <laughs> they go ape shit for that dog, whenever yeah. i was watching them I, like every now and then i would hear the dog out there be like okay well you yeah know, better come we'll see what happens <laughs> and then all of a sudden i'd be like i'm gonna go check it out <laughs> <laughs> yeah if he's got a mean bark but yeah, so, well, thank God. So she, we ended up finding, like, it was just really nice peace of mind, you know? Okay, so she wasn't lost and cold. She was just, <laughs> she was hiding in the house. <laughs> Frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, so we found her. So that, that was kind of my uh, my weekend. The week is just sort of a normal week. Uh, just typical work, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't really listen to the book until uh, Sunday, I don't think. No, Saturday. I was listening to the book a bunch Saturday. So I finished it, and then I re-listened to it today, and then I took notes on it today. And uh, yeah, dude, I don't know why I just never. You're, I just, like we said earlier, just it's it's hard to jump right back in. It's almost like since it's in five books, I mean, it's almost like starting a new book again. So right, it's uh, it's almost like a whole new endeavor. Yeah. But it's you know it's it's it fun and it's a good you know, and I'm glad we found Maddie. So that was uh, nice. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but yeah, it was a good week. And then uh, oh yeah, and then. Dude, mortgage payments are rough. <laughs> but yeah. other than You're that, a real adult now. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dumb. <laughs> anyway, other than that, all's well. And then, uh, yeah, so, but it was a good book. And then the notes, notes were kind of fun to take, actually, this week. I don't know why. I was having a good time taking the notes. Mm. Uh, the, the, in, in, as far as the reading went this, uh, this, t- this week, I feel like the very last chapter, like, I guess because I had gone through all of his like ex- explanations and his like like the over- last chapter or the epilogue. It's, sorry, the last chapter, not the epilogue. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. The last chapter, it kind of got me. I, I liked it. It was it was emotional enough, and I and we we were so we know how the protagonist thinks kind of mm-hmm. after after all this uh, time we've spent with him, <laughs> and um, I don't know. It was it it, it was cool just kind of going through his train of thought and I, I really enjoyed that last chapter re-listening and taking notes it was a lot of fun I got like a whole page of notes just from that because it was fun like just listening I was getting mm-hmm. excited and stuff so yeah. yeah I mean I don't know it was fun that was a, that was a cool chapter yeah. and that, that was like that that made the book for me basically yeah yeah I thought mm-hmm. that chapter did pretty good I mean not necessarily the ending but yeah uh, the 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 chapter and the way he was talking, the the writing for that, that yeah, was really really. I good. can see what you're saying. Yeah, I think it just it, it got me, I guess, because just mm. like I had said, we we spent so much time getting to know the guy, and we know how he thinks, we know how he feels about basically everything, we know what he bitches about, and you know, right? So, yeah, yeah it, it's good though. But uh, I realized why I didn't read at all it was because I was watching the World Series the whole damn time. Oh, there you that's go. why I didn't read until last night. Man, fucking so game three, the first game in L.A. Uh huh. Fucking on uh God, what was that now? That was Friday night. Mm-hmm. I watched that game for seven hours and twenty minutes. It was the what? It was the longest World Series game ever by both time and innings. It ended at the end of the eighteenth inning. Oh Christ, dude. The That's game the... went on forever. I like dude. sat down, put it on one screen on my computer, started playing WoW and doing other things on my other computer, and then I was also like doing laundry and made dinner and stuff like that in between. Yeah, no, you got to do the rest but then, of your like, day. Seven that. and a half hours later, I was like, oh, the, the game's finally over. I can go to sleep. <laughs> Thank God. It's over, so that's yeah. why I didn't read because I was busy Damn, with that. Damn, dude, do they get take a lunch break or anything? Nah, oh, let's keep going. Is that illegal? There was there's a lot of records set in that game. Different um, like or in like records tied because other games have gone on for a long time. Like the Astros were in the. Previous to that game, the Astros were in the longest World Series game ever. Dude, that was um, fun last year when we yeah. watched that. Dude, we went and saw Bill Burr, and then we started yeah, watching we, the World Series. Well, it wasn't the World Series yet. That was uh, the championship series against the Yankees. Well, that was still dope. That was, yeah, that was still dope. <laughs> that was a good time when we went downtown. But yeah, there was a bunch of other stuff. Like, pretty much every player 
play so like they you have like a bench of players and stuff like that and sometimes they won't play or sometimes they'll need to play if like get injury or whatever. Mm-hmm. Fifty of fifty four players that were eligible, including the bench, were played. What? Um, They're just so tired, bro. Nathan Eovaldi, the one of the relief pitchers for the Red Sox, went and threw almost a hundred pitches, which is like something not even starting pitchers do sometimes. Oh my god! He came dude. in as a relief pitcher, pitched seven innings and a hundred pitches. Dude, I don't and even, it was incredible the whole time. Dude, I didn't even throw the ball that long for the dogs, man. Like, <laughs> dude, I throw I throw like ten pitches with the foot with the with the pitcher thrower. I got right. one of those lazy sticks that throws the ball for you, so you don't have to touch the slobber. Right, yeah. yeah, dude. Like, and that thing makes it easy to huck the ball across the yard. But like a right. hundred times doing it with that would drive me crazy. Oh right. my god, man! And like, well, starting pitchers will usually get up into the nineties before damn. they retire for the day, damn. or depending, you know, depending on a number of factors. But typically, your starting pitcher will pitch anywhere from 60 to 100 pitches unless he's just on fire and you don't want to stop and give him the whole game you know whatever it may be what's the injury? but for a relief pitcher to pitch that much is absolutely unheard that's, of yeah that's crazy man um, what, what do you uh what do you blow out when you're pitching that much your shoulder uh probably the, just the whole damn thing <laughs> they, they throw with their whole body yeah man. like tiger woods swings a club with his whole body and that's why he threw out his back yeah, you like know destroyed like his back yeah. yeah i bet that's probably what pitchers do too they, like, and especially you have all these had two tommy john surgeries uh to correct issues that he's had with his arm mm-hmm. and he's gonna have to have probably like another surgery at the end of the season maybe and things like that Dude, I don't but know yeah i mean it was, it was a crazy game a lot of crazy things happen and just kind of in that way um I don't, I'm not, I don't know much about baseball, but I do know that lefties are fun to watch pitch, dude. It does not make any sense to me at all. The starting, the number one starting pitcher for the uh, Red Sox is a left-handed pitcher, Chris Oh, Dale. God, he probably blows he, freaking minds. He fucking has the craziest fucking slide uh, where he, he comes out from, for the viewer, for the listeners at home, I'm swinging my arm out way to the left. He comes out from here and throws it in from the side, and it will travel like... They they were measuring it one time. It'll the width that it travels from him releasing to where it hits uh, on the plate. It's like something insane, like thirteen feet or something like that. What? So it's got this huge window that makes it like it makes it extremely difficult to hit off. Obviously, that's why he's like a you know a huge starting pitcher. Well, didn't everybody's he's got that used weapon, to, everybody's used to right-handed pitchers too? So just seeing somebody stand on the other side's got to be a bit of a mind. Yeah, and yeah. that's that's part of like one of the problems with baseball that or that a lot of people have not everybody, but there's so much analytics in baseball. Where like, well, left-handers are this much percentage more effective against whatever you know. <laughs> and, so, and so there's like the Astros are really guilty of like overanalyzing everything. The Red Sox have been doing it um speaking of which how about fucking uh, what's his goddamn name the head coach for the red sox this is his first year being a head coach alex cora uh-huh. and last year he was the bench coach for the astros yeah so he won the world series as basically like second coach mm-hmm. and then went and became the head coach of the red sox and won the world series dang son. both of those world series ending in los angeles because the dodgers were the other team in both those world series so he yeah, he's like second coach winning it in Los Angeles, comes back a year later with a different team as the head coach and wins it in Los Angeles. Dude, it all comes back. Last week we were talking about conspiracies in sports, bro. This should just be, this should just <laughs> be a conspiracy sport. Alex Cora just paid him. A conspiracy podcast, bro. Let's just talk about Let's sports that, conspiracies. Right. <laughs> and then, and then we'll, uh, we'll give you all a brief uh, rundown on Vegan yeah. 23. <laughs> and then at the end of it, we'll give you five minutes of Vegan 23. Now let's start. Uh, yeah. Chapter 25. Um, basically, it starts with him falling for Claire, right? Pretty much, yeah. It's just, uh, there's like some, this is where he gets like his resolution for all the stuff that he's been through. All the crying they he's did sort last of like, chapter. Yeah, he does all that crying uh, in that release. He gets over or figures out like a way to accept things that have happened and accept himself and why he needs to, how he can now start to move forward or whatever. Yeah, there wasn't anything physical about the relationship other than them holding each other and then literally crying as hard as possible. And then, so, I mean, there's... A lot of emotion. It was just a like a of, bunch of like huge, like built up release of emotion. Oh yeah, a mega heart to heart. If evidently on both their parts, I think there's a there's a part where Claire says like I needed, I might have needed that more than you or something like that. And then and then he goes like the the old me would have thought like nah. selfishly to myself, nah, no way. But now now with Claire, <laughs> I right. see Claire. I he he, well, he, he knows that he's not the only like messed up one Dude. or whatever which is something we touched on last week as well i think symbolism claire she gives him clarity i just clicked bro he did that on purpose writers do that <laughs> just kidding 
<laughs> but no, uh, they kiss. They do kiss. I know that. But that's more towards the end of the chapter. Um, right after they kind of do their crying, um, he kind of invites her, like, hey, you want to go sit up at the GWB? It's got a cool feeling. And, uh, and they she's go like, and they, what? Yeah, yeah. She, yeah, so they go and they sit at the GWB, and she kind of, like, you know, humors him. But, uh, well, I think she humored him last time, because when, when he talks about the GWB this time, she's like, that's not supposed to do anything, man. Like, I, yeah. I don't know what's going on. And then he leaves her... Uh, beacon and you know she gave him a little kiss and I think he's fallen in love and that was kind of the end of the chapter right yeah that's pretty much it <clears throat> yeah and so then the start of the next chapter chapter 26 uh, is moving day Claire <laughs> is going to be going back to Houston there's a transport and supply ship that is docked with beacon 1529 the uh, protag is upset but accepting talks about how like now he's accepting of people coming and going potentially in his life yeah because that happens and so he's like well you know she's going back and that really sucks but that's the way that life goes yeah. blah, blah. he even talks about trying not to just focus on the fact that she's leaving even though that's all he can focus about he's like why can't i just focus on the good weeks that we had instead of the one bad day of mm-hmm. her leaving you know and, yeah uh, which is a good way to think about it it's to focus on the positive <laughs> and then uh while he's thinking about all this stuff the transport ship comes to his beacon to drop off some stuff uh, pick up some indisposable waste stuff like that what do you think that and is then, like poop? Maybe, I don't know. Non-recyclable waste, I believe. Is what it, they it was call something it. like that, yeah. Something uh, that couldn't be, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I wonder <laughs> Whatever what, that means. Wonder what he's giving him a can. Who knows what that means in yeah, space, yeah. Yeah, space terms. Two, can, two cans of it, though. Yeah, for <laughs> self, and also like in a self-sufficient structure. Yeah. Where it's not like it, it, I imagine it doesn't have like an aluminum recycling plant, you know? Right. <laughs> but anyways, the, so he is dropping off some stuff, taking some stuff, uh, has a message from Claire uh, with that message is a bottle of WD-80. Uh, yeah, in the same little bag that he gave it to her in. Kind of cute. Yeah. Uh, and then in this interaction with the the uh, transport pilot, it's revealed that Claire is going to be the new operator of 1529 uh, at at which the protag is like, what? And goes runs back up to the uh, high-frequency radio so that yeah, he can go try like, to radio her. That's too good to be true. <laughs> yeah. Radio's for Claire. She ends up answering, though. You know, that. Yeah. And then the, the chapter ends with him presumably telling her that he loves her. It doesn't yeah. outright say it, but the, the, the last line is something like, and then I said something that I meant more than I had meant anything in a while or something like cheesy yeah. like that. And I mean, he had kind of been alluding to falling, falling pretty hard and pretty quick. He, he was saying you can, uh, earlier in the, in the book, he was saying you can fall in love with, you can hate the moment you lift the gun and point it at somebody, but you can love the second you lower it, you know, like in a, I don't know. He said like love and hate come so fast and, and go so quick to him. I think that he just, he fell in love, dude. He, you don't choose that kind of stuff. You just fall. And I think he was falling. Anyway, so that was the yeah. end of the book. And also, everything happens super quickly in this. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was set in, set in book it, parts. Yeah, like it said, has so. to happen quickly. There is no time for real development. Yeah, and that was the end of section four. And now we're on part five called Visitor. This whole chapter is just symbolism of foreshadowing of the impending climax of the book. That's all that happens in this chapter. Yeah, dude, it was a huge Garfield moment. Chapter 27 was just him bitching about Mondays. He's like, I hate Mondays. (laughs) And there's not even like a Monday on this job. It's like all the same day, basically. (laughs) It's all just, yeah, I mean, it's all just symbolism talking about the idea of knowing when something bad is going to happen or just even having getting the feeling that something bad may happen even if it never yeah. comes you once in a while you get that feeling that like sixth sense or whatever whether or not it ends up being legitimate or not um but yeah, that that's all he talks about and giving a bunch of other examples uh just to fill out a chapter <laughs> he came out he came up with this theory called the relativistic weekend effect which is basically saying that he didn't like Sundays because of the impending Monday and the rest of the week that was coming in mm-hmm. school. But he did enjoy Fridays, even though he was stuck in school for the day, he knew a Saturday, Saturday was, was coming. Way, you know? yeah. and so he called that the relativistic weekend effect. And uh, and then, you know, after he's thinking about all that dumb stuff, I believe a, uh, a ship, a cargo ship, like he makes some trades, yeah. some passing trades. Talks about getting people stuff from merchants and pirates and stuff like yeah, that. He, some uh, at, the, at the end of the... At the end of it, he talks about how he's uh, in his in his lifeboat flying over to Claire's beacon, um, and these are the dark thoughts he has while he's going on a date because he's holding chocolate and flowers, and he's about to go on a date, right, and he's yeah. like, "I'm having all these They've dark thoughts," like the, right before the heard about the war. Oh yeah, and he heard about in. the war. Yeah, yeah. moving into sector eight.
Yep, which is where they are at. Yeah, we're in Sector 8. But Start now we're on Chapter, chapter 28. 20. Exactly. Uh, Protag is on his way to Claire's for date night. There's uh, He thinks a lot about crying, how his dad cried when the dog died, and only then. Thinks about what that meant to him then and now. And then some more talk about the impending doom. Yeah, dude, that was a, like, the first bit of that was just macho, macho, man. It's like, men don't cry. <laughs> and then he's like, but Claire taught me to cry. And she taught me why my dad cried. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah. And, uh, dude, that was a depressing story, too, about the freaking dad and the dog. I don't even want to talk about it. Yeah. It was just, it was just <laughs> it was a sad story about the dog dying. But, uh, ugh. Yeah. Anyway, um, Claire... so it's just reflection on like how he's grown and yeah, why Claire... now he the things that he's learned now are helping him realize and understand things from the past. Yeah, it seemed like he kind of forgave his father for not really like. He thought that his dad never emotion, cried for anything, yeah. but he cried for the dog. Why would? Why is this more important than all these other things that happened? Yeah, like the um, mom died, just the son couldn't. became like clean from alcohol. The daughter got married and moved to another planet. So it's like all these other big events, and nothing drew a tear. Except for the dog dying, yeah. and so he's jealous. But he realizes that maybe it was just that that everything just kind of came out at that one time. He was crying for everything, not just the, the dog, and the so he's straw just that broke the camel's just back. Just has another yeah. view on it. Yeah, so that's you know Claire's, that's all that happens. Now. Claire's super therapeutic. That's that's probably why we're able to fall for her as as a character. She's just she's. She, I mean, I, I think I think in this it was either at the end of this chapter or the beginning of the next one, but it says. He basically has the picture perfect space life. It kind of like the Jetsons almost. It didn't say the Jetsons, but in my mind, I thought the Jetsons. Mm. And uh, it, you know, he's got a really cool pet, a sweet little pet, dude. I didn't, I didn't catch this stat until today when I was listening to it. Do you know how heavy Cricket is? Fifty kilos, dude. That's a hundred and twenty pounds, bro. Yeah, <laughs> it's a big fucking dog. Or one hundred and ten pounds. I, I don't know. Two point two pounds per kilo. I know that, but I, I can't math right now, so. One, yeah, one ten. Yeah, one ten. I was ten over, so one ten. And uh, yeah, so but he's got this dope pet. He's got a sick ass girlfriend. He's got his own house. Basically, he's got a shitty little whip. You know, he can get to he can get to his <laughs> girlfriend's house. You know, he's got a got yeah. a ride. Yeah, he's making but, a uh, bunch of joke uh, comparisons about how like he's got this ideal you know sick home life. Yeah, it's cute. I mean, they they make dinner for each other and they hang out with their dog and it's fun, you know, it's and gets their flowers from passing traders. I don't know how much money they're making, but they must Dude, if they're making minimum wage even, they're not spending their, their money. <laughs> like they're not spending <laughs> right. it on anything, so but uh anyway, that was the end of the chapter. Yeah, chapter 29 is um cuts to them after dinner or whatever. They're hanging out uh on the by her GWB. They're they've been doing this thing where they, she either has the beacon turned on or off and at, is trying to get him to guess correctly or incorrectly to see what his guess is, whether or not it's on or off, because she can't get over the fact that uh, he thinks the GWB does something and she knows that it doesn't. Yeah, she's, I mean, we learned, I think, to, well, last episode, we learned that she's a tuner. So she she said she knows every, every, all the ins and outs of these uh, beacons. So it doesn't make sense. We wouldn't put people in there if it messed with your head. Right, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. She knows all the, you know, the, the book science behind the GWB. So she, you know, also theoretically knows how it affects any given thing. And uh, I bet y'all can guess exactly how well he scored on the test, huh? <laughs> There's no reason anyone would be able to guess at this point. Yeah, yeah. They tell us. Well, right they after. tell us, yeah. <laughs> Dude, you could guess but. instantly. I guessed. I was like, dude, he got a perfect score for sure. That's the only reason, like, they're doing the game is because they're telling us that it does, like, that he can sense it. At least I was guessing that. I don't know. Maybe that yeah. was just me just being wishful. I mean, maybe so. Whether I was right or wrong, it I didn't really matter being, while I was reading. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can see that being, like, a, uh, a reasonable um, theory. Yeah, dude, I don't know. Just for whatever reason, I was like... He wouldn't have brought it up if it wasn't going to be a perfect score, or at least as close to perfect as, you know, close enough for government work, you know what I mean? Like, uh, but anyway, so, well, that's he what gets happened. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, uh, gets, it turns out that he's got a perfect score, and so then they start speculating about, um, it's no longer whether or not it is happening, Claire believes that he feels something, so now it's about what is making him feel that. Is it actually the GWB? Is it something that is only happening within himself that's a result of something that happened in the war or something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's just a like mystery. Like PTSD is uh, something that they uh, mention. Um, so there's there's definitely something. He gets an effect from the GWB, whether he's creating it himself or something actually is coming from the GWB to him. 
uh, is now what they're gonna what they are gonna you know discuss with each other yeah. assuming that they uh, have any time to discuss anything yeah, because all house. of a sudden the proximity alert goes off I know we should have called house before that house like Dr. Gregory house yeah lupus <laughs> it's, it's always lupus, lupus or an infection it's never lupus <laughs> Anyway. There was Lupus one episode. <laughs> it's like the first episode. That's why everybody says it. <laughs> no, it was Lupus like in uh, epi- like in like season seven or something. Oh like really? That. It was like towards the end. He was like, "It's finally Lupus." Dude, I swear every time <laughs> he always guesses it's Lupus because oh, okay. Lupus has a lot. In the same way that like if you go to WebMD and you type in any symptom, it'll be like, "Oh, you're pregnant." You know, because in the same way that pregnancy <laughs> exhibits and so many in a wide variety of things, lupus also does that apparently. Dude, have you ever looked on the label for those pills that girls take when they're uh, on their period? Those pills, no, <laughs> those, dude, those pills literally cure everything. It's like headache, diarrhea, upset stomach. It's like, dude, if you have anything wrong with you, you take it's one like of these pills. I guess, dude. Not I don't know. In addition to dude, stomach but it, diarrhea, but, but it's also like a painkiller and yeah, like a fever like reducer, like a like a like a. I just said like a, like fifteen times. Um, <laughs> Anti swelling, you know what ibuprofen does? It makes like things not swell. Yeah, blood thinner. Yeah, dude, it does like everything. I was looking at the pills one time. I was like, dude, what the hell? <laughs> I had no idea. It's that a miracle was go- drug. I had no idea that was going on when y'all were <laughs> like that. That totally makes sense now. Like I'd be not having a good day either. But uh, <laughs> anyway, sorry. Visitors arrived and interrupted their little game of the GWB uh, on yeah. and off game. Two ships enter the uh, general area out of light speed and one of them immediately blows up because they enter together chapter 30 that was the that was the intro to chapter 30 the explosion <laughs> it's pretty <Yeah>. cool <laughs> the um so what what has happened is a like i guess like i briefly mentioned two ships enter at the same time a navy scout and uh, right at behind that uh, a reef reaper is what yeah. he calls it and they enter at the same time in the same location because they were like in a hyperspeed chase. The Reef Reaper is much bigger, so it wins that impact. Dude, that is a better name too, man. Reaper? That's a dope name. for. Well, like it's a probably vessel. a name that humanity gave it. Well, we gave it a good one. Yeah. <laughs> Reaper's you dope. Name, yeah, you name alien stuff really cool stuff. Yeah, we just do it's ours just like, like the like USS a, all the... Santa Maria. <laughs> the Nina, the Pinta, and the Santa Maria are going right. to go travel across the, the biggest um, ocean we know. A lot of uh, ship names were really cool in Star Trek, uh, like the um, like Klingon warships were like, there was like a bird of prey and stuff like that. I mean, like, are really like cool. Native American <laughs> names or something. <laughs> cool stuff. What's Sitting a, Bull. A, um, what? No, bird of prey. I know, but I was it's just nothing it like sounded, that. It sounded like a Native American name, so I was just making jokes. <laughs> classification of bird. Yeah, but come on. Yes. <laughs> you know what has really sweet fucking names for everything, not even just like ships and stuff like that? The Halo series. Like really? the Halo universe has such like the cool in my opinion, really awesome names. Like the 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 ship that you're on in the beginning of Halo One is the Pillar of Autumn. You, whenever oh, you go onto true. that covenant ship, it's the truth and reconciliation. Yeah, it's just like really cool naming in that series. No, you're right. That yeah, that game is awesome. <laughs> like truth and reconciliation. That's like such a fucking heavy name. Yeah, dude. Th- that's why those levels were so hard to, for me to remember. Which what happened? <laughs> I was like, there's dude, a the ship called so there's epic. a there's a UNSC ship called Forward Unto Dawn. That's a badass name. <laughs> dude, I, I hope that our first like uh, if we get in the space, we need to start naming shit awesome shit we need to name the first one the uss enterprise though for sure like we can't skip that that's well, too there's, good an opportunity there's actual like like a, an actual like battleship in uh history that was called the the enterprise well i know we need well i didn't know that but we should uh you still send one in space yeah probably so <laughs> <laughs> anyway but, uh, so we keep getting distracted yeah sorry yes yeah, so nothing ring... happens in these chapters <laughs> yeah i know so it's it, yeah i mean the mind can the wonder. only real discussion that's going to happen is when we talk about how we feel about the ending really yeah so um, uh yeah so that the, was the, the end chapter the ship, wait, yeah, no, we're no, the ship's on, sorry we're still on 30 and so then protagonist having been catching these rumors about the war coming to you know closer and closer is already thinking about things to do if it happens mm-hmm. um you know being uh, an old vet he you know is of that mindset and so he already has a plan his plan is that he gets claire and cricket to go into uh, one of the life pods yeah. locks it behind them and then smashes the keypad so they can't unlock it. He tricks them into basically getting jettisoned off. I don't and then see he gets I... into his own life pod so that he can go try to distract the uh, enemy ship long enough for them to go hide in the asteroid field. Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess that could work. But 
It so, didn't, didn't seem like the most solid plan, but whatever. Well, I mean, what I mean, else are they going to do? They have no weapons. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's either that or get blown up. Exactly. Because it's like the only thing that he's been able to come up with. Uh, yeah. So that's what he does. They, they go, he convinces Claire to follow through with the plan at that point. You know, what is she going to do? going to chase after yeah. his left putt and her shit left putt? Like, you know, it's not going to change it, anything. It does mention that he can hear Cricket's thoughts, like, kind of super freaking out and sad. And then he can, he feels like he can hear Claire's thoughts, but he's probably just imagining things. It's not the right. first time he's He can still things. see her at that point. So yeah, he so can he's see her thinking, screaming and yelling at him, like, what the fuck are you doing? Yeah. And so, yeah. But so then he. Goes off in his left boat and starts heading towards the, uh, the the Reaper, trying to make it look like he's trying to get around it and try to like make a sneaky escape or whatever. And yeah. then at the last second, does this like maneuver where he crashes his the picking arm uh-huh. uh, into the Reaper ship, hoping that it does anything. <laughs> and what it ends up doing is crashing up his ship enough that he gets sucked out into space. Um, and then you the chapter him. ends. Yeah, it talks we assume about we're. I guess you know we're being led to believe that he dies. He talks a little bit too before that about just the the reef. Typical reef um, operation is to when you go into these areas, if you control one of the beacons, you control that sector basically. So yeah. the, the plan was either to abduct one and blow up the other, abduct both. There were so many plans, but it was basically they need at least one of the beacons, and then they'll own that zone. But so protags out in space. And then chapter 31. Yep, chapter 31 starts with him waking up. He's uh, he's waking up on Beacon 23. Oh, God, yeah, it had the cheesiest line, too. It said, to wake each morning is a surprise. Each day to be alive is a miracle. <laughs> right. We should always live like that. <laughs> All right. The, uh, so, he, yeah, he wakes up in Beacon 23. Rocky's back. And the Reef Lord shows himself. Just a whole bunch of people are here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Rocky's back, he's talking to him, it's Rocky that wakes him up, and then Rocky that he's talking to, mm-hmm. which is, of course, just himself. Uh, there's a, a Reef Lord standing in front of him, there's uh, some interaction where the Reef Lord is talking to him, He the Reef apparently talk uh, telepathically. Yeah, I mean, it kind of alludes to, it, it made sense to me just because they were always talking about them being bug-like, and then it said the hives, so I would imagine that there'd be some sort of... I don't know why I just imagine telepathic. I don't think bees communicate telepathically, do they? They do. With Nothing some... communicates telepathically so far as we know. Yeah, I guess we can't sense that. That'd be so cool if they did, though. <laughs> anyway, um, but uh, shoot, I had a point with that, but doesn't matter. So yeah, there's uh, some very basic conversation going on where they're, you know, having a first conversation. Mm-hmm. The protag obviously doesn't speak this way typically, so he's you know learning how to accept the incoming language into his thoughts and to project his thoughts back out for a yeah. conversation. He's kind of like mouthing it, but not really speaking. And mm-hmm. uh, he can't move either. He's fully bound. Like yeah. he, he can't move his arms or anything. Can't even really twist his neck. It's uh, during this around. interaction that the reef uh, reveals to him that he's the one that opened him up during the last battle because who fucking cares? Yeah. He like epically touches his scab. And it, it matches <laughs> the fucking scar. Yeah, it's, it's like, like I don't it's think that's so how it would fucking work. needless. There's yeah. Literally no point to this except for somebody who's never, read any book or watched any movie or anything where something comes together at the end yeah like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we, we didn't, yeah we didn't need all <laughs> this that. is like the first this is so needless and dumb and, and it doesn't and the reason that i say it's needless and dumb is because it doesn't contribute to anything yeah usually I mean, a reveal like that will at least contribute to something and be like oh okay that makes sense for this yeah or whatever. It, it didn't really add anything but, yeah, it was it just like that's the guy except for literally before. somebody to be like it's, yeah, it's the guy. It's the guy. Uh, so there's but, uh, yeah, there's that reveal, and then um, yeah, the reef kind of he puts his hand on his face uh, after that because he and uh, and he sort of like Vulcan mind melds him, and he and yeah, he, so that he can give him more information more efficiently. I guess yeah, it seems you know, like for the it, purpose yeah. of storytelling more than anything, in my opinion. Yeah, to like sort of reveal to him all the different things about him being part of like a resistance among the reef. Uh, and then there's also obviously resistance among the humans that want the war to end, and yeah, they and it found like each they, other yeah. and are working together a little that bit was, here that and there. That was really cool. So that's th- these were the friends that Scarlet spoke of that were going to come pick them up. Yeah, we never would have um, thought they'd be Reef. Right? So yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, and so yeah, that he says cool that he twist. knew Scarlet, uh, and, and they have a plan for ending the war. Like they have an idea of something that they think in the war, and they need him to do it. 
and yeah. all this stuff or whatever. Well, he, well, he said he he's, he learned about the invasion. So so there's like a huge fleet of humans that are invading. Well, the reef, no, yeah, eight, the, yeah, the, and they're gonna they're gonna invade. It's the gonna reef, be the law. Uh, it's like that's like the largest offensive that the humans have put up so far. Exactly. And yeah. the reef found out about it. Traitor for there's whatever a traitor reason. Among us. Scarlet. She a traitor? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, yeah, she is. Um, well, yeah, whether it was her or not, I don't think nah, they say. But yeah. for whatever reason, the Reef know about the incoming invasion, so they're also mounting an equal, if not greater, force. Yeah. Which we find out is apparently a greater force by numbers later on. Yeah, he... Um, uh, to it, fight them. Yeah. And so it, they found this as an opportunity to end the war. I think it, he calls it a sudden de, uh, a deceleration yeah, yeah, of yeah. hostility. Yeah. That sounds right. He also, he can kind of feel Claire and Cricket are there with him. Like, he, he can hear their thoughts or kind of feel them around him. He knows that they're gagging. Yeah, all of a sudden he knows that they're there. Um, and um, then... The, oh, and the last sentence of this chapter was, I weep into the palm of my enemy. So he's yeah. basically Because he still hasn't up. reconciled with the with them being like, we want your help because he's not really listening yet. Yeah, he's still kind of freaking and out. And so then he realizes that Claire and Cricket are there and being held hostage too and so then he's just like, we're fucked, we're going to die. He should have realized get though, away they when... saved him <laughs> from space. Like, he should have realized they don't have completely evil intent, right? Well, the last Maybe time not. he was that close to a reef it tried to kill him. But this one saved him. Well, same guy. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can see it being scary still. <laughs> the... Um, so yeah, and, yeah. So the chapter ends with him, you know, uh, being more or less broken because the whole point of his plan was to hope that Claire and Cricket could get away, and they weren't able to. Yeah. So the then, beginning of chapter thirty-two, he thinks really loudly, kind of yelling at him. Let, just them, let them go. go yeah. Um, I'll do whatever your plan is. Just let them go. Yeah, I'll do whatever you want. And so then, uh, then the, so this is when the reef uh, start to detail the plan. Yeah, um, and he, he speaks like Scarlet too. He says, only you can end this. <laughs> yeah. Which is what, exactly what Scarlet said. The plan is to shut down the GWBs and the beacons there so that the approaching human fleet destroys itself in the asteroid field. And then the Reef will do the same on their end for their fleet so yeah. that both fleets become obliterated and it does enough damage to both sides yeah. of the war that they're just like, okay, well... This was so much that we needed to just stop. Yeah, is their theory a super epic casualty or whatever, and it's going to end the war. Which I don't, dude. That doesn't make any sense. Why would that end the war? If anything, I feel like that just piss everybody. We don't off know how war. much, like what the percentage of the total army each side is putting into this. Yeah, true. All that they've said is that this is the largest human offensive that's been done yet, and, and that, the reef are going to answer in kind. And he thinks something about half a billion lives, right? it, It's going to total out to be half a billion, Jeez yeah. Louise. Uh, so if that's, let's say, 90% of the total forces on either side, then what are, what are you going to fight with at that point? Yeah, so, no, that's true. I get the idea. I mean, it's an even trade. But they don't tell us what the percentage is. Yeah. Uh, if it's only... 30% of each side's army, then yeah. no, that's not going to end anything. No, but, but this is, probably like they're telling us that this 90, is big yeah. enough that it's going to end everything. Yeah, this is supposed to be like the final fight, I guess, and then, you know, they're just going to end by killing everybody. Yeah. But uh, so it was kind of just like ending on like a, that's our even trade, you know, done, right. done, done. And so then there's <laughs> a lot of, uh, at this point, the, the Reef bring Claire into focus for the protag, bring her in, in front of him and ungag her so that they can talk and uh, they're, they're, they're going back and forth about whether or not to go through... Uh, Protag explains the plan to Claire first. Yeah, And then Claire's can't... like, don't fucking do that. What's wrong with you? Like, why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. And then they're just going back and forth about doing it or not doing it. Why the protagonist thinks maybe we should do it. Like, he's being swayed by the idea. Um, because it sort of fits in line with what he's already wanted more or less uh, we've already talked about how he's sick of war he, he probably wanted sort of thing. he's seen all the bad stuff he couldn't do the annihilation that's what I was going to say he probably wanted a chance fight, to so. redeem himself too for not being able to for, for being a fake war hero basically you know he probably wanted to redeem that and be and you know end it for real so I bet this you know thinking that this was I don't think it's a redemption that. I think it's just that it's already in line with what he did that day which is yeah. to end the war to be against the violence, to not be able to handle, or to be totally against everything that's happened with the war and what's going to continue mm -hmm. happening with the war, which yeah. is part of the justification. There's a part during the justification chapter, which is the next chapter, uh, where he says something like, um, and how many more lives will continue to be lost if the war goes on? Yeah. 
um, which you know could potentially be untold depending on how long the war continues to go on. If it goes mm-hmm. on for another you know couple of decades, it could be billions more. Yeah. Um, so, it yeah, I, at least in my opinion, I think it's just it's an idea that's already in line with his belief that, okay. and certainly now that he's learned to forgive himself for feeling that way because he hated himself for not doing the nuke. Right. Hated that he was celebrated for being a war hero when he didn't do what he considered to be the right thing mm-hmm. um, because he was still like in the good soldier mindset. Yeah. But now that he's learned to forgive himself and accept that he didn't want to set off that nuke on the unborn reef, uh, that it's, it was okay to feel that way. And maybe it was the right way to feel. Yeah. So now he gets to be like, you know what? I can continue in this line of thinking that I've decided is the is the correct way to be about the war. Yeah. In uh, chapter... Was that in 33 or are we on 33? That's pretty much all that happened. Yeah, they, they explain the plan. He talks with Claire about it. They go back and forth about doing it or not doing yeah, it. Yeah, he That's basically really, has yeah. to convince himself that killing half a, half a billion people is cool. Yeah, chapter 33 is just... All forced justification for murdering half a billion people. Oh, but uh, fun fact, we learned that the protagonist is also an empath. So that's fun. Yeah, he comes to a realization that he can that he can probably hear uh, Cricket because maybe Cricket's a bit part empath as well. He doesn't really know a whole lot about the yeah. weapons anyway, so who knows. But it certainly is enhanced by him being partially empathic, which would explain why he heard Claire whenever they were uh, separated by the blast door, which would explain why... He, he can talk can to also, the reef. Yeah, that he's able to talk with the reef a little bit That's more fluidly. That's why Claire didn't know the plan either. She didn't why know he's able on. to react to the GWB probably. Oh, there you go. Yeah, because it did affect Cricket too when mm-hmm. he was up there. And it, uh, Cricket, we think, is an empath. So it, it hit, hit him pretty good too. Yeah. Yeah, it either affects Cricket or it's just that Cricket was totally like frozen up because he didn't like Zero-G. Maybe, more yeah. than once <laughs> that, that he talks about how Cricket never got used to Zero-G. Yeah, uh, but I mean, you know, it, it probably a little bit of both or whatever. Um, but there's definitely little breadcrumbs that were being left throughout uh, a couple of things that now come together with him probably being a bit empathic because of what happened during the war where he got opened up by the reef, um, and something happened during that interaction that imparted some level of telepathy. Yeah. Uh, or something to that effect, you know, o- opened up his mind uh, to space magic or whatever, yeah, space magic, <laughs> whatever yeah. it is that's going on. So, um, uh, so what happened? What did he do? Will? What did he do? What well, did he ends up. He, so, yeah, we spend an entire chapter of him thinking to himself about it, uh, convincing Claire that it's the right thing to do, telling her he loves her. Um, they went over that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> he, and just going over a bunch of justifications for why it should be done. It's all very uh, cheap and forced. And it's a total uh, left turn from everything that was happening in the story. Yeah, uh, prior to part this. of the cheap enforcedness, like you said, was probably when he's like he looks at the reef lord and he's like, "I'm trusting you." And then the reef lord does this like foreign hand signal to like show, uh, like you got it, buddy, <laughs> or whatever. You know? Yeah, that was, was just, just cheesy. Yeah, it was just whatever. you know. I mean, like I get it. I mean, but like all the justifications that they give during this is just like the stupidest, cheapest. Uh, justification there's nothing there's nothing convincing in this chapter it's all the same idealistic reasons that we have heard the hippies shout during protests in every story and reality uh, for decades at this point yeah he basically kind of comes to the conclusion that he wants to do it he's going to do if you know claire doesn't want him to but he thinks it's the right choice he's going to he's do decided it's the right thing yeah he's going to do it for hank he's going to do it for him if he's that's all that it for... was i would be more fine i would be okay with it i'd be fine i would accept it if it was just like this is i believe if it was about him believing it was the right thing to do mm-hmm. not all these generic justifications for doing it right um then i would be much better i would be way more reconciled with it yeah, it's sort of a kind of trying to make him seem kind of like guru-y, like yeah. very... A lot of <laughs> I'm this, doing this for the greater good. I think the main problem that I have with it is that none of it sounds like him anymore. Yeah. Very quickly, this sounds like the author taking an opportunity to spout whatever uh, message he wants to get across. He kind of does that a lot throughout the series, it seems like, because definitely he'll go off on these rants. Like the fucking Monday rant. Dude, we didn't need to know he hated Mondays. But I know that he thought about that. Like he probably went through a work week and was just like, man, I sure do 
prefer Fridays to Sundays and wonder why. And then he fucking wanted to write half a chapter about it. So right, yeah, like, maybe so. I but mean, yeah, it, it, I mean that it, it was fine. This, I mean, we're talking about yeah. it still, so you got the point out there, I guess. But <laughs> this section of the Beacon Twenty Three anthology is um, just not in continuity with the rest of the anthology, in my opinion, and, and with the character. I mean, to be honest with you, I know we just kind of were ragging on it a little bit, but I think that chapter thirty-three, the last chapter that's numbered, I think it was probably my favorite chapter, just because we hmm. spent so much time with the protagonist that, like. You know, we know his train of thought. We know about him. I mean, I know we just said that, like, he kind of seems to have changed. But, I mean, I was I mean, I mean, was willing to accept that Claire had kind of made him change, that he saw the greater good of ending both fleets. He saw the good in trusting this this reef, you know. there. You know, I think there are a few lines in there that just made it really cool for me. Uh, at, at the very end, I think he said, they'll kill me for this when I deserve a medal. And then he did it. See, that's trash. And then the ships explode in a glorious eruption of peace. That's trash. Know. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I guess. I, maybe I was just like, uh, fucking in the moment. <laughs> Who knows? But yeah. no, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, as I have nothing as it was, but problems I, with this chapter. I was going to say, as, it's as 100% cheesy as it was, bad for me. I enjoyed it still. <laughs> I guess I like the cheese. It just makes no sense because the, the whole thing is that he couldn't set off the nuke because he couldn't kill a hive. Like all these. Um, and it, I guess he, it does get described as like you know an unborn reef that hasn't had the chance to do wrong. But the soldiers that he kill are killing are just soldiers. They're there on orders and they're there reacting to stuff that like they they talk about how the attack on Delphi by the reef was unprompted and awful. And so that that's why he enlisted. Uh, yeah. And then uh, so well, I mean, they're, they're so all... he just decides that he's going to kill half a billion people. Heroes on both sides, like the yeah. reef warriors are fighting for their their like freedom and or whatever, and then right. I don't even know what we're fighting for land. <laughs> yeah, mean, it doesn't. Yeah, that's never. <laughs> we're, we're warring about something, and, yeah. and we're fighting for peace. I guess so. It's just completely incongruous with everything <coughs> that the character has said, aside from literally wanting the war to end. That's the only thing that's that true. sticks. Yeah, I guess that's true. Everything else is not like him at all, um, and all the growth that was. I mean, it just it's. It's just not congruous in the story with the story, in my opinion, because the whole time it's about him uh, facing his demons and getting over it, and then just all of a sudden, no, we're going to save the universe. Yeah, Claire fixed him real. We're going to have a uh, what's the word I'm thinking about? We're we're going to mass genocide. <laughs> yeah, the, no, there's a there's going to be a um, god damn it, what's the word that I'm looking for? I'll never think of it. Yeah, we're just gonna. Yeah, the, all so yeah, there's all this you know personal growth and getting over his demons and blah blah blah, blah. and then all of a sudden, just last chapter, nah, story's gonna uh, save the universe uh, in this war that we've only just heard about in the context of him facing himself, not in the context of caring about the war. Yeah, we weren't we were never in the war. I yeah. mean, we heard and it then, about it, but again, yeah, then also ending the war will serve as a vehicle for the author to uh, you know, make a, a, a political statement about war in real life because that's yeah. all that this is so so will had a little piece in his uh, kindle book that was like mm -hmm. a little and uh, the written edition or the, the written edition this is the kindle edition and the uh, you know physical published edition which gets transcribed to digital for the kindle there's a note from the author after the last chapter Fun. uh and it's it's gross <laughs> the uh, so here it is i know it is fiction to imagine but what would happen if we stood on the rubble of attacks against us whether literal or figurative, physical or emotional, personal or political, and we chose to forgive rather than escalate. What does that world look like? Maybe we'll never know, but I like to pretend. It's, it's, like, like, it's just the same shitty, shallow sentiment that John Lennon's Imagine has. Dude, it's like you didn't have to tell us the theme of the book. We got it. You, I mean, you didn't... You, we get it. And then even <laughs> his note is incongruous with what happened. Exactly. He, he talks murders. about not escalating something when he just had his hero murder half a billion people and then sanctifies him for doing so. Yeah, dude. It's, <laughs> it's just like... I mean... Ugh, whatever. And then... Anyway, the epilogue, uh, he's, uh, that lighthouse from the photo, he, uh, he finds he's, it in real life he's and he's paying to have it rebuilt. Yeah, he's rebuilding it. It's showing peace among, uh, different species. They introduce a new alien race, which I thought was kind of weird. The two Hokos, three humans, and a Rafe pilot are fixing the lighthouse. It's he just likes. to show that there's a crew of diversity now. Yeah. Uh, to symbolize the fact that there's peace. It's like, dude, we should have met a Hoko. We should, like, the ninja should have met a Hoko, in my opinion. That like, would have been better writing for 
the thing. ninja to be a hoko just even in passing to be like and even, then i noticed that she was a hoko the bounty hunter or whatever yeah. could have been a hoko you yeah know, just like, anything like, to be inconsequentially a hoko so that it can come back at the end and be like oh so yes this is an alien race oh, that we've met before yeah i know the hoko as opposed to just being uh just pretty uh, yeah pretty clearly something that's been put in place just so we can see that now there's diversity in the universe and yeah. they're all they're all on earth doing something imagine that yeah basically it's like the picture perfect ending it's like a twilight the twilight ending do you yeah. read twilight uh yes yeah so it's an ending kind of like that everybody's happy yeah. it's everything so get, everybody gets everything there perfect the protag is a hero and he's governor of earth claire is pregnant <laughs> cricket is chasing something in the grass they're watching the lighthouse from the picture be restored by a crew of several alien races because now peace is here thanks to half a billion murdered people yeah, and then it does this stupid-ass line at the end where he whispers his name. Oh, because Claire wants to name their baby after him, their little boy. Yeah. And uh, he's like, oh, maybe maybe my son can bring uh, pride to my name, make my name proud. And then so he whispers his name to Claire. But he gets and, caught in the wind or some shit. Yeah, he says he gets caught in the wind and blown away and lost forever. So does there's, he not name the baby after him? No, there's just... <laughs> no, it's just... Uh, forced it he's just trying to make this book deeper than it is yeah he doesn't want us to know the freaking because name. maybe that hero could be any of us jordan oh uh, <laughs> <fuck> this book <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> everything was decent enough i was you know i was mildly invested in the character or at least i liked the character enough i was interested in the battle with his demons and him finding a way to overcome it and then all of a sudden he overcomes it with no effort and then it takes a huge left turn and has nothing to do with the, what the rest of the book was about. Yeah, dude, the ending almost just sounded like he died and went to heaven, man. It didn't even sound like a realistic ending for the way the book was going. I just straight up thought maybe he's dead, <laughs> you know, because like, I mean, he, I don't think he is, but... It that... just fell apart. And I wonder if maybe... <laughs> I don't know. I'm just mad because of the way it made me feel in the moment, but maybe he wrote this final section of this anthology... When he was already not invested in it anymore. In the same way that Christopher Paolini wrote uh, uh, Inheritance. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, considerably worse than the others. I thought Brissinger was worse than Inheritance. I'm, not, I'm sorry. Yeah, not Inheritance. Brissinger, you're right. Yeah. Um, or whatever the last one is. Inheritance is the last one. Oh, then Inheritance. Yeah. Brissinger, I thought Brissinger... Uh, it just felt like filler. Brissinger was definitely uh, the climax of it. It being the climax of the... Or like, the, you know, the the build up mm-hmm. so it's supposed to be like the um i don't, I don't know i can't I don't know, but I see what a good you, analogy right i don't now. know i get, I get what you mean but, though he kind of lost his his fucking drive for the yeah. for the story i think he probably lost because he was he wrote the you know aragon and he was you know the new thing so he was all about it and then he writes eldest and it's great oh and, yeah uh, and then Brasinger comes out and it's already at that point that he's starting to get longer and longer between finishing each book and everybody's pressuring him to do it. It was supposed to, to be a it. trilogy too, and, yeah. yeah. And yeah, and I think he I wrote like or at least in the uh, the edition of Inheritance that I got, there was a like a several page forward from him that talked about the process of what was happening. And as he was writing Brasinger realized that he wasn't going to be able to get everything that he thought there he needed so to. Many so loose ends. Break it into two books when he was already struggling to write the one book with all the, and you know, he was already falling out of love with the story or whatever it was. Yeah. And everybody was pressuring him to finish it because everybody loved them. Man. And so then by the end of it, he just kind of phoned it in. Yeah. That, and maybe that's what happened here, which I totally get. If you fall out of love with a story that you've been writing, cool. Uh, don't phone it in. Yeah. Dude, I hope that doesn't happen with uh, Game of Thrones. I mean, I, I get it, but I mean... George R. Martin's going to die. He's I doing know. literally anything but write that book. There's like I mean, I videos don't wanna... of him writing segues and shit. Like, just get inside <laughs> your house and write that book. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm all for not pressuring authors to like, yeah, hurry, <laughs> hurry up and get their book <laughs> out. That is you absolutely know? I mean, true. I'm all for that because you don't want to force creativity because then you don't get the... the it's yeah, it's going to be trash anyways. Yeah, so it's going to be trash. Yeah, so, but like... <laughs> It, I don't know, maybe he was forced because he was sitting there like, shit, I gotta write a fifth book. <laughs> Let me just end the whole thing right now real yeah. quick. But but then at the same time, like, it's not like anything was in... Uh, was the final chapter of the Beacon 23 an- anthology in such high demand that he had to write this? Absolutely not. Yeah, no. I mean, honestly, it felt to me kind of like a version of Ender's Game. I don't know if you... I mean... I haven't read it. Yeah. I haven't seen the movies either. 
Uh, great book. I really enjoyed the movies as well. Um, I'm not too uh, judgmental on movies, though. I'm a real good audience member. I realize that. <laughs> I, I did honestly like. You I'm buy just, in. You're yeah, just, I'm, I'm just ready re- for whatever ride. Well, yeah, I mean, I paid for the movie. I want to enjoy the movie. Don't, don't sit there and ruin it. I with think the I'm book. usually that way with movies as well, unless something is egregious and I can't get over it, yeah. which does happen. Uh, so, you know, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't get, always know if I'm picky or not. Maybe I'm. Sometimes I'll be like, man, I'm fucking picky about this sort of stuff. And then I'll watch some trash movie and be like, I had a great time watching yeah. that trash movie. I'm not picky. Yeah. <laughs> and then I next mean, week I'm super picky about something. I mean, and you got to take a lot of liberties too when you put something on the on the silver screen, as they say. <laughs> Is it still silver anymore, the silver screen? No. Yeah. That, well, on, <laughs> on the big screen. Uh, all in all, I, I enjoyed it. I mean, I was, like you said, it was kind of, I guess, an obvious ending. Maybe it was sort of anticlimactic. It rushed. I don't know. But it was, it was you know, worth the read. Probably won't pick it up again <laughs> but uh no yeah i don't know what do you think no not worth it um i i don't think that there's very few things that are that end up not being worth having done mm-hmm. um especially when it comes to intaking media at least in my opinion there's very there's very little media of any form that's not worth taking in yeah, because yeah. even if it's bad you then are able to you have a greater informed opinion for things that are good exactly yeah you still grow no matter what from, yeah from reading this so yeah. I don't think that it's not that it wasn't worth it uh, it was definitely disappointing at the end okay I would like anything uh, you always wish for something to be great right mm-hmm. certainly because you want to enjoy it yeah uh, but it, you know it is what it is I ended up not liking it but I don't regret it yeah yeah I uh, I enjoyed it but it, I you know like I just said I'm not gonna read it again i don't think i know mm-hmm. you know i got the got it you know i got right. i got the message <laughs> there's you know there's always a chance that looking back on it it could potentially i could end up with a different interpretation uh, later on if yeah. i think about it again and suddenly have a new realization or something like that i, mean, I don't think so it was pretty transparent what happened <laughs> but in the same way that it has some problems at the end of Neverwhere, i i you know not that we're super far removed from it at this point but i I'm able to look back more fondly on it. Yeah. One, now because of how disappointing this book was. And then <laughs> uh, two, because I can disregard some of the small issues that I had with it. Because okay. the issues that I had with the ending of Neverwhere weren't really that big. Yeah. There was just some consistency issues that I had. And then a couple of... It was mostly just small consistency issues. Yeah. Uh, the overall story was good. Yeah. And then... Um, I was totally bought into the universe and those characters. Mm-hmm. So I can, looking back, just remember how much I enjoyed that universe and the characters yeah. and the overall story. Yeah, it was fun. Uh, so I definitely enjoy looking back on it more than I felt at the moment that we ended it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, that's a good point. Maybe looking back, we'll be like, oh, that was a fun book. Maybe I will read it again. But in the moment, I'm just like, no, that's probably not one that I'm just going to go. I might be able to at least look back and be like, I remember the parts of it that I do like. Yeah. There were which was mostly towards the beginning and then some in the middle. Um, the stuff of Scarlet was annoying. <laughs> yeah, Scarlet was kind of an annoying obviously, little rebel Obviously, you know, we've uh, already talked it almost to death about the, the way we feel about the end. Uh, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it sounded like they were just a bug a bug race and then, you know, we all got along at the end. <laughs> cool. You gotta yeah. love bugs. They, they have a purpose unless they're uh, ants what? and mosquitoes. Hmm. Yeah, no, I would not like. I think that. the ants actually. I shouldn't. I'll take that back. Uh, mosquitoes uh, can be eliminated from the ecosystem, and it wouldn't have an effect. They're theorizing. They obviously don't know until it happens. Uh, ants would have an effect. There's just way too fucking many of them. We probably wouldn't get enough, uh, you know, um, deaths without mosquitoes. We'd overpopulate the earth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm That's teasing. already happened. That's so awful to think too. Just we need mosquitoes to kill people. <laughs> we need <laughs> no. something stronger than mosquitoes. Yeah, no, I'm just teasing. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, no. Um, I guess uh, we said we were gonna pick a book uh, at the end of this episode, but we didn't end up going and looking for books, so yeah. uh, we're not gonna do that. We're gonna. And we kind of planned for what we're gonna end up doing anyways. Yeah. What we're gonna do is we're going to um, pick a book. For next week's episode. Next week's episode will be a dedicated episode for talking about a book and picking yeah, it. exactly. Uh, which works out because we, both of us are going to be out of town for periods of time next week for weddings. Mm-hmm. You're going down to Mexico for your cousin's wedding. I'm going to be uh, busy over the weekend, the, the next next weekend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the weekend after the one you're gone away for, for a friend's wedding. Uh, so it'll be more difficult for us to be reading a book and try to record an episode during all that. So what we're going to do is with a little bit of editing magic, uh, 
talk to you from even further in the past than usual by recording next week's episode after this. <laughs> yeah, we're parting the kimono a little bit. You're getting behind the scenes. Parting the kimono? Yeah, you part your kimono and everybody sees the goods. <laughs> yeah, just we're parting the kimono. You guys are seeing behind the scenes. <laughs> Those were like two different sayings put into one. <laughs> I got what you meant, but you're, you're combining two different things. <laughs> But anyway, um, yeah, check us out on uh, Twitter and Instagram at uh, ears underscore stamps. Um, please tell your friends. Vote, uh, uh, vote us. Vote us. <laughs> no, uh, give us uh, the best rating you want to give us on uh, iTunes, ideally five. Five of the five stars. We could use any ratings you could give. Tell your friends. Uh, we, we, we love our support. You know, we love you guys, so. <laughs> we need we need, need uh, y'all to spread the word if you if you guys think anybody you know would enjoy it please tell tell anybody about it uh and we need ideas for books uh this next this next uh week we're gonna try and branch out and maybe even do like a mystery or a or a well none of your suggestions will get to us for this coming week because we're about to record that episode yeah but like we're still we still want suggestions for the next one but uh yeah. for give us suggestions that. for future books yeah and we'll definitely take them and, and we'll if y'all want to hear a one-off episode about the harry potter series or anything just let us know we'd love to do something like that books that we've read books that maybe one of us has read and the other hasn't you know we'll take uh we'll take anything we, we want to grow with you guys so let us know what you think and uh you know it's been fun new england just had like a 60 yard pick six um, I don't know what that means. <laughs> they uh, So a pick six is yeah. when you catch an interception oh. and then run it back for a touchdown, which is six points. Oh. So that's why they call it a pick six. You pick it and then you run it in for six points. <laughs> you pick it and you get six. It was also from, like, the other was side like from the field. other side of the fucking field. That was pretty incredible. But, yeah. Well. Also, Buffalo just sucks. So, But, yeah, anyway, so yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see you all next week. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Later. Fucking... Devin McCourty, dude. What a fucking... How long do we do? What a fucking corner. Um, we are at...